Salutations and welcome to another edition of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hi. You know what, Jojo B? We are getting old. We are. This afternoon, on a beautiful, sunny summer's day, it felt like, we had an afternoon nap. We did. You know what? I'm slowly, but surely, morphing into my dad. I know. And that was after having a lovely walk around a lovely little village and yep. sitting and listening to the brass band. It was literally like a, a scene <laughs> from like All Creatures Great and Small. Or, uh, you know, because it seemed that like we were pretty much the youngest people there by a country mile. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, we had a lovely trip to Amersham, you know, just to have a little... Which is beautiful, by the way. Yeah. You Who know knew? what? That's, that's the thing. Where we live in London, we forget that the rest of the UK is pretty much all green, serene landscapes. Yep. Um, and we're stuck in this like concrete jungle with an with a overpriced mortgage and little to show for it. Yeah. And so when you go to places like that, it really does kind of, uh, you know, remind you about how sad your own life is. And can I also say that Britain in the sunshine is a glorious place. Yeah. And I love it. You know what? That's the thing. We gun Britain a lot. You'll hear a lot of us ranting about Britain over the course of these shows on the on the podcast. But really, Britain is a beautiful country. Yeah, and I'm British. Thanks very much. So I'm British. I love it. I'm more British than you. Just, you know, it would be nice if the grey skies lifted a little bit more often yeah. than they do. But, you know, in these lovely, glorious days. You we... bring the grey skies to my life, Jojo B. Oh, get screwed. But on a sunny day, if you go into the British countryside or go to the British coastline... You are guaranteed to have a lovely day. Absolutely. But you know what? Yeah, I had an afternoon nap, but I feel like I've got no bearing on the time, the day, where we are. <laughs> who are you, Jojo B? <laughs> I said, who are you, Jojo B? You know who I am. Yeah. And I'm the person, I get reminded of it every day. I'm the person who loves an afternoon nap. Yes, you do. I'm if not I, a stranger to those. I See, I am. Like My dad, he literally takes an afternoon nap every day since he was a child, continues to to this day. It's the dream. And actually, it's scientifically proven to be good for you and your brain and your um, levels of intelligence and your productivity through the day. Okay. So, all right. afternoon well. naps are the way forward. All right. So, I'm going to see if I can try to uh, petition that at my next work meeting. Siesta. You know, siesta back in the workplace. Um, but anyway, firstly, we want to thank everyone that listened to our last show. And all the people that have given us some great feedback from it. Thank you very much. You know, because we took a, you know, a few weeks away from uh, some difficult subjects and talking about things like the royal wedding and uh, all these irrelevant... Yeah, we kept it light for a little while. Yeah, but really, you know, the focus of our show is really to touch and delve into some very, very important subjects within the British Asian community. Um, and one of the most prevalent is forced marriages. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we touched on in great detail. Uh, a lot of people have given us some great feedback from it. But really, the most important thing is discussion with, with these kind of subjects. And I think the more discussion that we can process, then I think that's the only way uh, a society is going to progress and to alleviate these things from happening. So, you know, let's talk more discussion. Share your thoughts with us. Um, but anyway, what's been happening this week, Jojo B.? Your boy, Swami Barakas, represented the native immigrants at a recent press conference with a massive Indian cinema legend. And who, pray tell, was that legend? This legend would be the dream girl, Hema Malini. Basanti! Nay! Hema Malini, for those people who don't know, was pretty much the stellar... Indian actress of the 1970s. You know, she was, again, one of those actresses. We talked about Sri Devi recently who passed away, which is really, really sad. But Sri Devi almost didn't need an actor to, you know, to give her prominence, to define her in films. And she could hold her own in any film, any character yeah. that she's had throughout her entire career. And Hema Malini was the same, you know, from films like Sita or Gita or, you know, Naseeb, obviously Sholle and stuff, Basanti. <laughs> Uh, but she's always played really strong female characters in these films. And so when I got the opportunity to be there, it was a no-brainer, you know, because, you know, I'm a big fan of that period. I'm a big fan of that era. And she really encompassed that era. 
And who was responsible for making this meeting happen? Once again, the brother Azjad Nazir. He's pulled through the last couple of weeks. He's featured us in an article in Eastern Eye just yep. last week. And then a few days later, he was like, what are you doing on this day at this time? And I was like, um, I normally would be keeping my wife company, but knowing how she is at the moment, I think I'll try to escape from that as much as humanly possible. And so he said, well, I can get you a chance to uh, be there for a press conference to potentially meet the dream girl. And I was not going to pass that up. So went there and I met her. Mm -hmm. And um, how can I say it? Tell us about that photo. <laughs> so yeah, so okay, so the people that follow me on social media, um, and you, if you're not following me, follow me at Swami Barakas on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, everything, ev everywhere. Um, you'll see the picture of me and Hema Malini from just before that press conference started. And um, so Simran from Punjab 2000, big up Simran if you're listening, she took the picture for me. And she's the one that actually said, is it possible I can take a picture of the two of you? Uh, and she said to Hema Malini, uh, he's a rapper from the UK. Hema Malini gave the kind of face to Simran. What the fuck is a rapper? Is what she had, in it, the face that she gave. Yeah. You know, so I was like, uh, okay, didn't set off in the right vibe. But I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to get a picture with Hema Malini. Yeah. You know, once in a lifetime, love. Exactly. So, yeah, know. she's like totally turned away from you. The picture of the body language is hilarious. Yeah. But, you know, you got your picture. It's all good. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, winning. Um, but also during the press conference, uh, I actually got to ask a question myself. Oh, did you? Yeah. I said, I'm Swami Brekus from the Native Immigrants Podcast. I actually said that. <laughs> and uh, I just, uh, Isha Diol was there uh, promoting one of her films. Um, and I got to ask if there was a biopic of Herman Manley's life, would you like to play her as uh, as the younger form? What did she say? She said yes. Well, you know, she does look a bit like a mom. Yeah. Um, and this would actually give her a chance to get back into cinema properly. Yeah, she hasn't um, done a film for ages, has she? Well, she's, motherhood's taken over and, and family life and stuff. So this is a bit of like a comeback thing for her. Mm. Um, but um, but yeah, but big up Azjad. Thank you so much for making this happen. I'm a big fan of that era. Big fan of Herman Manley. Not so much a fan of the person. I don't think you should meet your heroes. Well, I say that. I met Amitabh Bachchan, I met Sachin Deluka, who were like the greatest people and they were amazing in real life. So I'm just glad that the people I love the most are nice. Everyone else, yeah. Okay, fine. Also, we got another review. Did we? We did indeed. Who they're, from? they're coming in thick and fast, Jojo B. Was it a good review? It was a good review. It was actually from Ravi Kanda, aka Ravkan, aka Buddy Rock, aka One Half of the Caravan Crooks. Aww. So he said to me ages ago that yeah, he was going to check out the show, and then just never checked it out. Thanks, and Rav. then cheers, Rav. Yeah, much love, much love, my friend. Uh, but then he checked out our last show, absolutely loved it, and then gave us a great review after that. He said, "Infotainment, a must listen. This podcast is so entertaining." If you know how to laugh, then you need to listen to this. If you're just learning how to laugh, then this is that podcast to use to practice. Just listen. You'll know when you do. Jokes aside, if you're looking for a current news information mixed in with a generous amount of jokes entertainment, listen to these two. P.S. I feel that was the worst review ever written, but it's long and got your attention. Ahem. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was a very good review. It was a very good review. But we appreciate all reviews. Yes. You know, and we've currently got a five star rating. You know, so thank you so much for everyone that listens to the show, that loves the show. We do it for you people. Um, and, you know, it's very humbling to know that people appreciate us back. Yes, it is. Um, so, yeah, always encourage people to review and rate, to check out our shows and follow us on all our social media platforms. Yes, please. Um, but lastly, if you want something that you want to push or promo um, that's related to the British Asian community, we're really up for promoting it and supporting it as long as it's for a good cause. Yeah, exactly. We would like to support as much as people support us. We'd like to support everybody else as well. Absolutely. You know, so just this week, an old friend of mine, Aishan, aka Dialect, who's a, who was a rapper back in the day. Dialect. We, that's taking it back. Who? That's taking it back a bit. Damn. Yeah. yeah yeah we did uh we did a couple of tracks together we did one blood back in 
2006. <laughs> what a song that was. Yeah. We were young, fresh-faced, naive, gullible. Fun times. Though, yeah. It? You know, all like, you know, bun fluff instead of beards and shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Back in those days, our balls had just about dropped. Oh. But you know what? Yeah, big up dialect. He's been away from the whole music scene for a long time. I think he's just living the good life. Married, kids, mortgage, you know. Good for him. Happens to the best of us. But he got in touch with me just this last week because um, a friend of his is um, doing a Kickstarter campaign for a short film that he's making about race, class and privilege within the publishing industry. His name is Aaron Christian and the name of the project is The Internship. And um, just a a brief summary of what it's about. It's about um, a guy called Josh who's a young design graduate working in a dead-end job has a chance meeting with his idol, a famous design magazine editor who offers him a rare and prestigious internship. However, he must convince a family to who internships mean an extra financial burden and in an industry in which their culture has never really been well represented, that it's a chance worth taking. So this is a short film. I think he's already got well, just under £9,000 pledged of 11000 Wow. So he's really close to, to finalising this whole project to make it happen. It sounds really interesting. Um, but it's also something that's, you know, when we when you first told me this story, it immediately drew me towards your story, Jojo B. Yeah. And that your, your similar experiences within the media industry. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't work in publishing, um, but I did work in TV. And I think, yeah, I can definitely see the parallels there. Absolutely. It's you get there and you realize there's not that many people that look like you working there. Yeah. And that actually the further up you go the ladder up the ladder, there's even less. Yeah. There's fewer and fewer. There's fewer women overall. Absolutely. And then ethnic minorities, hardly any. Yeah. And then ethnic minority women, there's bugger all basically. Even less. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you're interested in pledging towards this great film that could be potentially a game changer for British Asians within the publishing industry, then search for The Internship on kickstarter.com and, you know, just put your hand in your pockets and uh, donate towards a really good cause. Yeah, support the arts. Yeah. And support British Asians within the arts because there's not enough. Absolutely. We're those kind of people, you know, the ones that decided not to be doctors, lawyers, accountants. And decided to rebel against society and yep. do something a bit more creative. And now we're poor because of it. And we don't have five bedroom detached mansions in. But we're fulfilled <laughs> and happy in life. She says, gritting her teeth. Nothing, not everything's about money. Not everything is about money. But something that is about money is weddings. They don't have to be, but we can discuss more of that. Yeah, because in a couple of weeks, Jojo B, you and I will be celebrating. I say celebrating in inverted commas. Our fourth wedding anniversary. Four years of this. <laughs> where has the time gone? Really, where has it gone? Indeed. Uh, but anyway, we will be discussing our wedding and the process behind it after this short break. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And in this half of the show, we will be talking about our wedding. Dun, dun, dun. So on the 13th of June, 2014, Jojo B and I got married. Two became one. <laughs> we need some love like we never needed love before. Wanna make love to you, baby. It's crazy that this is now the second time <laughs> we've referenced Spice Girls on our show. So um, our credibility, tank. Well, you know, they were pretty big when I was a kid. So, you know, as a teenager, they were they were a big thing. But not when we got married. No. Which was and four also, years ago. I wasn't a fan as a teenager, so I was exactly. far too cool for that shit. You say that. Um, but, you know, a lot of people have been asking us since we actually started the podcast, you know, how did you guys meet? We went on BBC Asian Network a few weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, one of the questions that was asked by the presenter, Uncle Desai, was, so how did you guys meet? And then how did the wedding come about? You know, and we actually said on that day that, you know what, you're going to be hearing about all this on a future episode. That future episode is right now. Mm. You know, being a, a Gujarati and a Punjabi couple, there's a lot of uh, cultural differences. You culture know, clash. Culture clashes, you know, before the day, on the day, and during the marriage. And I think 
this is something that we really wanted to discuss when we first spoke about doing a podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, and so far we've kind of held back. But I think now on the impending anniversary of our wedding. Yeah. I think now is the time to do this. I think we need to split this show in two parts. Uh, this because, is too mu- there's too much of a story to tell here, that's why. Yeah, so much went down. And I think um, we'll, we can talk about up until our maybe our, our stag do's, hen do's kind of time. Yeah. And then like second part we can talk about next week. Yeah. Um, Anyone who's getting married at the moment, going through the process, knows that there's various stages yeah, absolutely. to this shit. 100%. And, and so- I think like a lot of people that are having weddings or having weddings with its two different cultures coming together will also relate to this because <laughs> like i said once families get involved shit's about to go down yeah it's over you have to juggle that shit effectively so that and don't drop those balls because if you do everything will come crumbling down definitely do not drop your balls um, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean or make sure your balls have dropped before you get married you know yeah, I can't really comment on that, but okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so let's rewind time. Let's let's you, yeah. let's load up the flux capacitor. Yeah. And decide to take ourselves back to 2013. 2013. So yeah. at this point, Jojo B and I had been going out for almost a year and a bit. Year and a half. A year and a half. Uh, we'd obviously known each other for a number of years before then. Um, she obviously wanted it a lot more than I did. Eventually, twisted my arm enough. Got together. Uh, lovely year and a half. I'm not even going to say anything because he just says this all the time. So I'm just going to let him believe it now because I can't be asked. The truth will set you free, Jojo B. It's not the truth. But okay, fine. That's what you want to believe. What it was really the case was that he was a massive commitment phobe. But you know, there's more of that to come. (laughs) What is there? Yeah, there is. Okay, so, so we come to, I'd say, April of 2013. Yes. Well, actually, it started a bit earlier than that. It started around about Christmas of 2012. Okay. When my parents started to kind of just like put the feelers out, you know, trying to like find out if I was seeing anybody. Is there anybody? Because I knew what was coming. Rich that talk. Yeah. So like I had had 10 years of this already. So I knew what my parents were like when they were building up to telling me about somebody. Um. So I knew that the questions were kind of pointed. So I said to them over that Christmas, look, there is someone, but it's all very new. It wasn't, but it was all, it's all very new. So we just need to see how it's going first. And then I can let you know how it's going. And then we can maybe see about you meeting him at some point, but I'm not going to see any Rishta because I don't think it's fair on the Rishta. You know, I can't lie in the past. I had seen Rishta when I'd been seeing other people. It was, I felt really wrong. That person's, it's not right on that person. And it's not fair. Let me just stop you there for a second, Jojo B. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people that might not know what a rishta is, because oh, yeah. you know our you know our listenership the is lingo, very diverse, yeah. extremely diverse, and, and some people will completely understand what that is. Some people would absolutely have no idea what the fuck a rishta is. So a rishta, I guess the dictionary definition is uh, somebody that you're going to be introduced to for the purpose of marriage. So. Um, Rishta directly means relation, in like the direct translation. Uh, Not relative. I mean, like as in relation, like relationship or whatever. So like you're kind of, you're going to meet somebody and and see if it works or not. But it's kind of usually done through the family. Yeah. And I'd had 10 years of meeting people through the family, none of whom had been at all appropriate because all they look at with, with these things usually is their height. Height is number one. It's a strange Indian thing, but height is number one. Okay. Age, sometimes. Sometimes they would tell me they were like, because I was in my 20s at that point. I'd be like 25 and they'd be like, yeah, he's 26. Turns out he's 36. Oh dear. Like, what the hell? Um, so yeah, age sometimes and their occupation and their qualifications. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah. Whether you've got anything in common, no, doesn't matter. Does not matter one single bit. So yeah, it sort of works for some people. I know lots of happily married people through this arrangement. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we will touch on. The fact that, you know, the Rishta process is something that has been going on for a while. I think that's almost the the safest way to still keep within traditions. Because last week we spoke about the pressures of marriage and forced marriages. You know, we really want to put the point across that 
the Rishta process is very much a, a mutual, agreeable process. Yeah, it's just like a dating thing. So like, it's hard to meet people these days anyway. Um, so, you know, you go through online match matchmaking and stuff. This is yeah. just matchmaking through the family. Sometimes some families do actually care and they will try and see if you're compatible in terms of personality as well. My family, love them. They love me, but they didn't do that. So okay. none of this, that, none of that process really worked for me. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, so this continued on. Yeah. So then obviously once I told them that there was somebody, it was just like constant harassment over the next few months. Um, I went home, I think around Easter time and, um, and they were like, so when are we going to meet him? Come on, let's organize this. So we arranged for you to come to my mum and dad's house in Newcastle in around, uh, I think it was May, I think one of the May bank holidays. And you uh, met my mummy and daddy. Well, before that, there was a little bit of a conundrum in uh, Jojo B's household when she dropped it to her parents that I was in fact a Hindu Gujarati. But let's, right, okay. Let's just say that the instant when I, because I said, oh, who is he? What does he do? What's his background? Whatever. And I was like, oh, you know, he's so-and-so. By the way, he's Hindu Gujarati. And they were like, there was a bit of silence. And then my dad was like, okay, fine. And then it was literally like an hour later, he just turned around to me and said, you never wanted to marry a Punjabi anyway, did you? And I was like, dad, that's nonsense. That's the only one and only time he's ever said that to me. One and only time that he's ever kind of had that reaction. I was like, dad, that's nonsense. I've met literally everybody you've ever introduced me to. They just haven't been right. I've met somebody, he's Indian. You know, it doesn't matter that we're not, he's not Punjabi, but we have loads of stuff in common. And he went, oh, okay, fine. And that was it, end of, nothing. I'm very lucky that I come from quite a mixed family already. Yeah. So my, some of my uncles and aunties have broken those barriers. I don't have to worry about that stuff. Um, and so my family have no leg to stand on with me, like to be saying that I married a Gujarati because my uncle's already married a Gujarati. Yeah. You know, my auntie married a white guy. Lots of things, lots of already stuff that had already happened when I was a kid. So I was okay. Mm. I was lucky like that. But some people aren't so lucky. Didn't your dad once say though, that you bring somebody home, but whatever you do, do not bring home a Gujarati that doesn't drink. Well, what he said to me was, don't bring home a vegetarian that doesn't drink. That's the one. Yeah. Um, so that's exactly what I brought home. Well done. <laughs> Sorry, dad. Apologies. But I fixed one of those things. So it's okay. How dare you? Yeah. He's still a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> the corruption of the Punjabi on a Gujarati's life. But anyway, so then we come towards my trip to Newcastle. Um, so, you know, obviously I'd heard it from Jojo B that I have to tell my parents and I have to tell my parents to keep going on about this whole process to me. They're like, we want to meet him. We want to meet him. And I was like, well, we, you know, we've been going out for a year. Fair enough. Like in a, in a normal relationship at a normal other time, that would still wouldn't be a long enough time for me to then start meeting parents. I know relationships of people where they've met up after like a month, families have met each other up. And, you know, all of a sudden they're like, you know, really pally pally. And then talk of weddings happens only a few months after that. Yeah. You know, but me, I'd been in relationships before. I'd been in long term relationships before. So I've always been of the adage that, you know, once you're both at a point in your life where, you know what, we want to get married. We want to make this happen. Now let's meet our families. Uh, that wasn't the case in this. Oh, come on. We were getting on by, by that point. We were old. And also... Like, this is what I mean by commitment phobic, guys. This, he's just not, he doesn't like to do things that are not on his own timeline. And this wasn't on his timeline. Uh, like anything in life, I don't like being told what to do. Uh, my mum will attest to that. <laughs> so this was uh, just another occasion of, a, of the similar, similar outset. Um, but we were old. Come on. We, we, we'd been around the block a bit. Yeah, I, I turned 30 that year. Yeah, so you were already past your sell-by date. Um, I was still pretty much in the prime of my life. Get screwed. You were like 35 going on like 100. How fucking dare you? Okay, anyway, I was in my mid-30s. And plus, in my household, my younger brother had already got married. So, although I hadn't been pressured into getting married before then, you know, there was still the thing in the back of my head that, oh, people are going to talk saying the younger brother got married, the older one's not married yet. You know, he's got no prospects in life. Uh, you know, blah de blah de blah. I think girls get that worse when their younger sister gets married. Probably, yeah. probably. You know, uh, but it's no, it's no different to guys in the same situation. You know, we spoke about basically society and Asian communities in general and how 
you know, you sometimes look down upon if you're not married by a certain age. Yeah. And if your younger siblings are married before you in the same situation, it's even less so, you know. None of this at all mattered to me because I really didn't care. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm happy to see anyone younger than me within my family get married. I was always in the thought process, when it's your time, it's your time. And whether it's whether if you're 21 or whether you're 41 or whether you're 61. And I think that's the way you need to think about it, guys, is that the if you're going to meet the right person, yes, you have to make an effort to meet people and you have to get put yourself out there and you have to, you know, be willing to um, open your eyes to different types of people as well. Um, but the right person comes at the right time. Yeah. And and the right person will come along, you know, people. Yeah, keep the faith. <laughs> yeah, keep the faith. Keep yeah, the- but it's true because I, I, before we got together, I was just like, right, I'm, I give up on life. I'm done. Yeah. Men are shit and I'm done. And I think a lot of girls go through that because you go through relationships or you have you go through this Richter process and you meet people and you get excited about it and then they turn out to be a dickhead and you're like, oh my God, this is never going to, nothing's ever going to work out for me. This is never going to happen for me, etc., yeah. etc. Et negative thoughts, negative thoughts, negative thoughts. Don't let it make you be bitter because that's also not what someone wants to be with. <laughs> In yeah. the end, at the end of the day, you've got to keep positive for yourself. Um, if you project that positivity You'll attract positivity. That's yeah. how I think. That's how I think of these things. Yeah, and plus, you know, you want to get married for the right reasons as exactly. well. Exactly. You know, being with the right person and having a marriage and not just a wedding day, which is what we spoke about last week. You know, it's all the focus is on you know that one big event, and then people forget about you know the lifetime of marriage that you've got afterwards. And you know, people are you know people all have pressures and they have situations where the parents get really heavily involved and you know they want you to go a certain direction with who you get married to and and where you are in life but you know they're not the ones that are leading your life you are you know and you've got to get married for the right reasons and your wedding day is is just a a small part of that it's not the the absolute you know the be all and end all yeah i just want to say that yeah just remember that you have to wake up next to this person for the rest of your life. So don't get married because, you know, oh, well, this one will do. You know, don't yeah. settle. And if you know, if you feel deep down that you are settling, then it's not right. And it probably won't be right going forward. And that's not fair on the other person. Uh, but also don't feel like, you know, my mum and dad said, I have to be married. I have to be married. I have to do this. I have to do that because I have to be the good girl or the good boy. Because you have to wake up with that person. And it is, when you get married, you have to think of it as being for the rest of your life. Sometimes it's not. You know, for a lot of people, it doesn't work out. And such is life. You can't you can't tell. Sometimes things come along, and along the way and it goes wrong and there's nothing you can do. But you have to go into it with the positive mind frame of this is going to be forever. So don't be pressured into getting married and don't feel like you're a failure because you've hit 30 and you haven't got married or you've hit 40 and you haven't got married because you will find somebody but you do have to put yourself out there and you also have to remember that you can't just set a standard and everyone has to meet that standard and if they're not that you know if they're an inch shorter than you would you would ideally like then they're no good you have to compromise sometimes on certain things but that doesn't mean that you settle you just have to be comfortable with the compromises you make. But that's the thing, yeah. So, you know, it, that is the the point. You know, we talk about settle and compromise. And a lot of people, I know a lot of people in, in our life, um, people that we've known, people I've known in the past that have been really adamant on finding a specific kind of person, the yeah. right kind of person. They've got to tick all these boxes. The criteria is this, 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 and this. And they have to meet all of those before I'm even going to remotely get involved in a relationship with them or yeah. you know start a process with them you know people once you reach a certain point in life you just have to be a little bit more malleable because the person that you're marrying is going to want the same thing with a similar mindset with a similar thought process that we're going to go through this together and want to do this together and there's a compatibility but you can't stop yourself from meeting the right person by immediately crossing off a number of those boxes in your head that is your specific preference on this and this and this. And usually it's quite superficial stuff. Exactly. You know, um, you know, I've, I've got together with people in the past which ticked all the boxes in everything that I wanted in a woman and they've been massively failed relationships um, because there's just that non-compatibility factor. You and know? let's be honest, love, like neither of us was each other's ideal. Absolutely not. I you will... <laughs> know, very much opposites attracted here. 
you know, this is not we we weren't what we thought we were going to end up with. Yeah, let's 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 tell it like it is. When we first met, we didn't like each other. No, we didn't. There was a lot of uh, animosity uh, within within each other, uh, and you know, over the years, you just get to know the person, and it's okay. It's it's a difficult process. We knew each other for a long time and got to know each other for over a long time as well before we decided to get together. Some yeah. people don't necessarily have that. Um, that, that option yeah they don't have that luxury yeah. you know they, they sometimes you end up meeting somebody through say a rista process and then you know like you know within a few months they've been they've been told to tell each other what they think and whether they're going to go through the rest of their lives yeah. being married to each other yeah remember that being prepared to make compromises and settling are two very different things yeah you just have to see if you have shared values because that will be the basis of your marriage. Because if you're going to have kids, you're going to have to have some shared values and and agree on how you're going to bring them up. You have to have those kind of conversations beforehand. You know, when you're going to buy a house, you gotta you got to talk about how the mortgage is going to be split. All that kind of stuff. If you, we had those conversations beforehand. And I think if you don't go, if you go into it blindly, like everything's going to be fine. I'm going to live in some kind of constant honeymoon on cloud nine forever. It's not how it works. And so just remember that while you're looking for somebody, you have to you have to find somebody who you're willing to be honest with. And I think that yeah. was what I found with my darling husband was that for the first time I didn't get passive aggressive with him. Mm. I used to get passive aggressive with all my exes because I wasn't confident enough to be able to be truthful. We just had out and out arguments. And I tell you what, people might think that, oh, you know, they're arguing all the time. It's a terrible thing. No, it's a healthy thing. We get we get all our grievances off our chest and we get over it and we don't go to sleep in an argument because that's my rule. That is we, her rule. We do not go to sleep in an argument, but we get it off our chests and we talk to each other and we're honest with each other and we've had some really frank conversations and that's why I think we're still together at this moment. <laughs> at this moment. Tomorrow could be a different thing. <laughs> um, you never know what tomorrow brings, not literally tomorrow, but in the future. So you can never take things for granted. As soon as you get lazy... It won't work. Yeah. And marriage is very, very hard work. And it will only be easier if you're both working towards the same thing and work at it together. You know, it, there's a lot of marriages where I've seen end, unfortunately, because one side's not doing, not pulling the weight that the other side is. Um, and, you know, there's moments where both of them are in disagreement, but it needs both of you collectively to, you know, put your grievances and, and issues aside to know what the bigger picture is and the bigger picture is a marriage that should be a long lasting thing um and you can't go into it half-assed you've got to go into it fully and you know realize what the end goal is you know you want happiness and um you know and for you know we're quite old school traditionalists and i love the fact that you know our families are both compatible and both happy yeah. and you know and because that's what it's all about you know family is very very important to us um and i would never wanted to bring somebody home that i thought maybe my family wouldn't like to get on with yeah you know and another point there our families got on very well but our families are polar opposites exactly your family are very religious you know they go to mandir and they go to like girtans and stuff like that very religious people my dad's an atheist. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's that's the kind of household I was brought up in. Yes, it's a Sikh background. My grandma, so my dad's mom was very religious. Um, my mom is kind of religious. My dad's kind of dampened that down slightly. We used to go Gurdwara and stuff. My mom used to take us, whatever. But I didn't come from a particularly religious background and I've never been, I know a lot of people have um, restrictions in their lives because of religion the, re the restrictions in my life were just because my dad was strict yeah, <laughs> and he yeah. was really strict when I was younger so um I didn't but I didn't have that religious aspect to my life but you do you have a very spiritual side to you yeah. which I lack you know but we balance each other out I think in that way we're very yin and yang no absolutely and again like I, I it's all about the person I always feel like the right person would make all the difference for my family like I've seen marriages within you know our extended family where it's been all same caste same religion same you know same culture yeah and they failed yeah you know you know all those again ticking all those boxes about the kind of person that you bring into your house doesn't necessarily bring you the right person you know yeah, it's not a guarantee that it will work no absolutely not it's all about the right person um and i'm i'm lucky in that i found somebody that 
not only shared very similar values to me, um, but was also extremely compatible with my family and got on really well with my family because from both of our sides, families, like I said, is a very important thing. And the ability to go to each other's houses and and be able to, you know, to share experiences and, and be really social with each other, I think is very, very important. Um, you know, so, but like I said, families don't live your marriage. You live your marriage. And if the two of you are not fully in this together, then it's never going to work regardless. Yep. But anyway. Yes. Back, back to the story. Yes, we digress massively. So back to the story and the timeline. So you come and meet my fam- family. They love you. I've already met your family by this point, by the way. So, and they already loved me. Yeah. So my dad really liked you, you know. It was a very nervous occasion. It was almost like a kind of like, you know, like a good cop, bad cop kind of situation with me sitting there with a spotlight in my face. Um, You know, so, you know, what do you do? And, uh, you know, and uh, what is your background? And, uh, you know, do you drink? Literally the the first three questions. Um, And so it was incredibly intimidating. But you know what? They opened up amazingly and welcomed me in you know really, my mom really made well. you a veggie feast she did lovely tempura which was uh exactly what i was after tempura yeah it was bacardi. Like, bacardi. no but it's also like there was like broccoli and there was like that's my mom's peppers. bacardi she does mix veg bacardi she's the best you mean tempura we're not japanese yeah we're punjabi we make oh. bacardi <laughs> broccoli ke pakore. what's pepper what's a pepper in punjabi is it shimla mirch i think that's what it is shimla mirch ke pakore. yeah you people Dinch. um but anyway, so I met the family, uh, really got on well with them. But I thought, you know what? It'll be a while since our families kind of meet, you know, I, I meet. <laughs> it'll be a while since I meet our families again. And we just um, carry on loving, you know, our loving relationship and, you know, just keep going out and having a good time. Little did I know. No, that didn't work that way because once my mom was involved, she was like, so he's nice. When do we meet his family? And then when I got back to London, because you went back the same day, you came up to Newcastle, went back to the same day. So I'd stayed the weekend in Newcastle and uh, got back. And I vaguely remember your mum saying the same thing as well. So when are we going to meet your mum and dad? And I was like, um, yeah, there's only so know. long I could really put this off. I was kind of like, you know, yeah, you know, eventually we can sort something out and stuff, you know, but, you know, we're just taking our time and seeing how it goes and stuff. Um but no, it didn't quite work out like that. So May is when I went to see Jojo B's family. Three months later, our families met. And what happened in the lead up to that? In the in kind of like the week or two before that, when there was conversations going on via us with our parents, our parents weren't talking on the phone to each other. They were talking through us. Yeah. So basically... Um, so imagine, May we I went to see Jojo B's family. A few weeks later, both of our respective mums were like, uh, so when are we going to meet the other side? When are we going to meet the other side? Uh, there's only so much we can say no to our parents because we're good like that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I then spoke to Jojo B. Jojo B spoke to her mum, blah, blah, blah. It's like a, a, like a five-way conference call thing going on in terms of trying to organise a time where we, these two parties can both meet up. And we eventually set it for August of 2013. Now, lo and behold, I was asked by my mother, of all people, so when they come over here, do they want to do a roka? Now, I've got no idea what a roka is. Well, neither did I at that point. But I asked you, and you asked your mum. Yeah, because I was like, oh, I, don't know, I don't know what this is. So I said to my mum, I was like, mum, his mum's mentioned something about a roka. My mum was like, oh! <laughs> I swear, it was on the phone, but I could see my mum's eyes. You know, I could just imagine them just like flash with happiness. She's like, oh, oh yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's do a roka, huh? So at this point, I didn't really think anything of it. No, neither did I. And neither did you. Um, And it was only a week or two. No, it was the day before. Oh my God. I'm not even joking. The day before, I spoke to my friend and I was like, Mum, they want to do like some roca thing tomorrow. And she was like, Do you know what roca is? And I was like, No. And she went, You're getting fucking engaged? <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> um, so that, um, if the ground had opened up and swallowed me whole, it would have probably been the appropriate form of action. What a roca actually is, is like the it's like a kind of promise of a betrothal. 
So it's not in, an engagement exactly. It's like the stage before that where the girl's family is like a really old custom where the girl's family will go to a, a guy, the guy's side house and will say, uh, we'd like you to stop looking for other girls. We approve of your son uh, and we want you to approve of our daughter and we want them to get married. Yeah. And so it's the promise then that the boy side makes to stop looking for other girls for their son. Yeah. Little did we know that was the situation. But once we found out, hell broke loose. You should see the pictures. The pictures of that day, our faces are priceless. Yeah, so we obviously found out the day before. There's no way we could now turn around and say, actually, can we cancel this whole meetup? Um, <laughs> because it was things were moving much faster than I would have hoped, let's I just think say. The much faster than either of us had thought would happen. Yeah. Um, I but- got told to wear something nice. That was why your mom said that to me. She goes, wear something nice, beta. Yeah. Wear something, you know, dress up. And I was like, okay. Because I wasn't sure what to wear, what the vibe would be. Yeah. And she was like, wear something nice. And I was like, okay. So I ended up looking like a Christmas tree. Yep, indeed. Uh, I also had my shirt and pant on. Um, what did you do that morning? Uh, do they need to know? Well, okay. So <laughs> me and my brother... <laughs> Uh, found out that there was a Star Wars fair happening very close to us. And so priorities took place and we went to the Star Wars fair in the morning of what ended up being our engagement. Um, And then they turned up in their joggers while I'm dressed up like a Christmas tree and they were just dressed like, you know, tramps. A couple of vagabonds. Yeah. But we also won five gifts on the Star Wars raffle. So really, it was a win-win situation for us. Um, so um, I picked up Jojo B, quickly got home, quickly got changed, and then waited for uh, my future in-laws to turn up. Um, uh, they turned up. From Newcastle, a long drive, by the way. It's a long drive from Newcastle down to London. Yeah. Um, but what, what was even longer than that was the level of silence in the room when both of the families were sat down After in the our initial room. like, hello, hellos, hello, hellos. Yeah. Hello. I think the, the best line was, uh, I think, my dad when... Uh, they were <laughs> Which is about, a line we still use today. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they were talking about tea or coffee. And my dad said in his most somber voice, I'm Chinese, Peter. What does that mean in English? We don't drink tea. <laughs> Which is a lie because mum drinks loads, your mum. Absolutely. I think, you know what dad was doing? I think dad was trying to play his card. You know, like, he's got his, like, trump card before, you know, they 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 see what the other side's holding. Yeah. So I think he was just trying to, you know, size, they were trying to size each other out kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, before, you know, they pull out their pistols and start, like, you know, Russian roulette across the table. So dad just had a, a much more of a, a stern game face. My dad had his usual smiley face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah. So you know, it was extremely awkward. Uh, not much conversation. L- literally didn't have a clue what to say apart from "aap kaise hai, ha, theek hai, aap kaise hai." Well, this ha, is where the language barrier came in. So your mom speaks quite a pretty good kind of like Hindi Punjabi mix. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. she she was cool with talking to my mom and dad, um, and my dad speaks like fluent Hindi anyway. But my mom is a bit she used to speak really good hindi now she's got really shy with it so she was speaking in punjabi so it was okay with your mum but your dad he has hearing issues anyway so he wasn't listening to any of that but he did have a bit of a conversation with my dad in hindi yeah, yeah. but like hindi was the common language there that was the I way mean, they got through it it's great that there even was like a common language um you know because obviously a lot of times my dad's english is not amazing no um so you know at least he's he's got the hindi that he can flex with your side um, and your mum's Hindi isn't very good. But her English is amazing and her Punjabi, obviously. So, so there was there was like some common ground that they can both share. Yeah. You know? We've seen, I've seen some weddings where, you know, like you've got an Asian married to say a white person. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, the Asian person's parents haven't really got a great grasp of English. And sometimes there could be a lot of like, yeah. uh, you know, issues in that situation. There's a lot of nodding in those situations. Absolutely. Nodding. You yes. know. So I guess we're just thankful that at least there was some kind of common ground between our families. Um, and, and then, so then this, uh, I say Roka kind of took place. Um, both of us sitting there, um, 
it was like a you know a, a prison profile fit, you know. Yeah, your brother was taking the pictures and then just like laughing at us from the, <laughs> the distance while he was taking his pictures. Yeah, you know, because it was <laughs> it was like it was very awkward. We everything was happening really quickly for me. We had no idea what was going on. Let's be let's be honest. We we always said that we were going to go through this. I yeah. think we'd come to the point in life where we realized that we were going to end up together. But I think the speed in which it ensued was uh, alarming. But but that's what happens when parents get involved and get overexcited and think that finally our old children, because we were old, yeah. our old children now are getting married. Yeah. We spoke last week about families and the pressure of getting married and, and how they can be very actively involved yeah. in the process. You know, our families were involved in this process. But, you know, I think it was it was extremely consensual. Um, and we we both realized where this was going. Yeah, we knew we were going to get married eventually anyway, so it just happened slightly faster than we thought. Absolutely. Um, but, it, you know, it took place, the rocker took place, the pictures are out there, and if you find us on social media somewhere... We'll put some up on, on social media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can see the, the, you know, our kind of... Stunned faces. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But, you know, we left that day kind of thinking, oh my God, so... This, this is it. This this is yeah. This is it. This is this is pretty real. Yeah. But it was so nice because our families were so happy. It was such a lovely for me. It felt so lovely to like see both sets of parents so happy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because you know, our you know, without delving into too much details, I think both of our families have gone through some tough times yeah. in the past. Yeah. Um. You know, and there's been stages where it's been you know a lot of turmoil um and issues, but. You know, in occasions like this, you know, you kind of feel that happiness is, you know, the greatest thing. Yeah, and, and I think seeing our families happy yeah. is is very important to both of us. Yeah, our parents' happiness is, you know, paramount to both of us. Absolutely. But like I said, they don't have to lead our marriage. We do. Yes, exactly. And yeah. so, you know, finding the right person and making sure that compatibility was working with not only ourselves, but also, you know, our, our families. I think it was just... um you know, lucky, lucky situation for us. It was. You know. The stars aligned for us. But anyway. Oh, by the way, we didn't do any like astrology stuff. Oh God, either. no. We didn't do any of that. I don't, see, I don't really believe in that kind of well, stuff. Well, we don't, we don't do that. Like we're not meant to do that. A lot of people do. And you know what? Each to their own. You know, I've seen people go through the Kundali process and, you know, the whole astrology, star signs and making sure that's compatible. And I've seen relationships stop, you know, while they've still been together and just before they're engaged, they go through this Gundli thing and been told that it is not compatible. And they've ended their relationships because See, of it. That's crazy. Sikhs don't do astrology and stuff like that anyway. Yeah. Some do. Like my mom's side, some some of my mom's family are, are Hindu. So they do some some of that stuff on her side. But my dad's side, not at all. Yeah. And also because my dad's an atheist, he's like, this is nonsense. So he doesn't believe in any of that. But your family don't believe it either. So This is it. Yeah. Um, so... Where do we go to next, Jojovi? So, the rock has happened. And that's when the discussion, because the parents start talking to each other now, that's when the discussion of dates comes about. Absolutely. Now... And, how, and the logistics of a wedding. Yeah, the logistics of it. Because obviously, I'm a Hindu Gujarati. Jojovi is a Sikh Punjabi. And so, what kind of a wedding are we going to have, Jojovi? Yeah. And that was... Uh, a topic of much debate at the time because there was a lot of um, stuff in the news at the time of um, mixed marriages not being allowed in Gurdwaras, so the Sikh temples. Um, and there had been a lot of people who had tried to do that and their marriages had been disrupted. There had been, you know, a lot of arguments between Gurdwara committees and stuff like that. So there was all of that going on in the background that we were both aware of. Um, and... When my dad and my uncle went to make inquiries in the in Newcastle um, at the Godwaras, because traditionally you go to the the marriage happens where the girls' family live and where the girls from. That's the traditional way of doing it for most Indians. Um, when they went to the Godwara, there's a couple of Godwaras in Newcastle. They were turned down, and they said, "We just can't do it. We can't take the risk." Mm. Um, so they both both the Newcastle ones re refused. Sunderland refused. Um, I think we found one in Stockton that <laughs> would allow it. And I was like, ah, not even from Stockton. Like, that's miles away from where I'm from. So um, 
we made the decision as a family not to pursue it as a as a route. So we decided that we were not going to have a Sikh wedding. Yeah, that's a real shame because I know you spoke to me in the past about really wanting to have a wedding that was in the Gurdwara um, and go through that process. Although you're not very religious yourself, I think culturally you were still very in tune with your culture. Yeah, and I think it would have meant a lot to like the elder generation in my family and... You know, like that's what I grew up with. That's that, like you're saying, like it was my culture. Like that's what I grew up in. That we went to the Godwara for weddings, and that's how you know how some people see church weddings. They're not very religious, but they go to church weddings. We go to they only go to church for weddings or Christmas. We used to go to Godwara for you know weddings and other religious ceremonies, or whatever. But like we didn't go every week. Um, mm. So it, it's just how I imagined my wedding to be yeah. because that's all I knew of weddings up until that point. So yeah, I was really sad. I was really, really sad. And it is quite sad because now we're hearing about more and more Gurdwaras that are having mixed race marriages. Yeah, they've started to allow it. So just before that, they had allowed it. I had a cousin who'd married a Hindu and, and that had happened. And so now, and then just after now, they're, they're allowing it again. It's just in that period when we were getting married. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, stars didn't align for us then. And no. it's a real shame, um, you know, because like I said, you know, for me, you know, it'd been great to at least have you know, a Sikh wedding at a Gurdwara. Yeah. Um, because half of my family is now Sikh and I think a lot of people would have been happy about that. Um, but also, I guess we saved on the costs. So, sorry, Gurdwara, you missed out on our money. Yeah, that's true. And I think that might be partly the reason why they started allowing it again. Oh, dear. Um, the cynical me says yeah. I think that might be part of the reason why they allow it now. But, you know, there was loads of arguments about why you should and shouldn't do it at the Gurdwara. There's and the meaning behind the Sikh wedding rites and stuff like that. It is what it is. I don't hold any grudges. I'm not bitter about it anymore. No, absolutely. I was really sad about it for a long time, but now it is what it is because we we got married. Nothing stopped us from getting married in the end. No, absolutely not. Uh, Because we did get the green light from my temple, uh, which was the Bhaktivedanta Manor in Watford, the Hare Krishna temple belonging to ISKCON. Um, which I've frequented for a number of years. And I always said that if I do get married one day, that's the place I want to get married. Uh, And they managed to find us a date. And that date was Friday the 13th. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even a thing. Like you said that. Your mom told me, she was like, oh, Bitta, you know, I don't know if you'll like this. It's Friday the 13th. And I was like, literally that date means nothing to me. Like Friday the 13th is not an unlucky day for me because it's not a thing. In, Absolutely not. Plus, like culture. I said, exactly. I'm not. I'm not the most superstitious guy. Anyway, we're talking about gundalis and all that kind of stuff within our culture. But all these like black cats and two magpies and yeah, all uh, Friday the thirteenth. I don't believe in any of that bullshit. I've had good luck in the past. I've had bad luck in the past, and it's not because you know I woke up you know the wrong way and I and I walked over a crack on the pavement yeah. on the way to work and shit. Do you mean or under superstitions a, is a whole other show? Exactly. You know, we've got plenty of those in our culture. Yeah. But none of those apply to me. So we booked it in on Friday, the 13th of June, 2014. It was when our marriage was gonna take place. Um I think this that's where we'll end this show, Jojo B, because yeah. um, I think there's a lot that we basically delved into, but there's a lot that happened after that, which was uh an incredible Uh, process in itself so listen in to next week's episode where we're going to be discussing the whole choosing of the rings our stag and hindus the engagement party the sanji and then of course our big wedding day all of which included drama drama all the way so listen in next week people and we'll see you then peace peace